The setting of that passage this morning was Jerusalem. And when we hear on the television news of Jerusalem, the report nearly always talks of division. It talks of Arab-Israeli conflict, of questionable possession of land, and of a city divided. It's been divided for many, many years in different ways. A biblical view of the city might speak to us about something else. It might take us in a different direction, not to division, but to unity. For God's people, its capture under David came after the unity of the lands of Israel and Judah and marked perhaps the completion of the promised land, the completion so many years after the crossing of the Jordan and the time of the judges and the the reign of Saul. All through that time, the promised land was not fulfilled in its entirety. But then comes David. And so Jerusalem unites the land and the people because it wasn't the kingdom of the north or the south. It was for the people of God. Our prophet Ezra, therefore, as he thinks of the return of the people from not exodus but exile, thinks about the preciousness of that holy place, the preciousness of the city for all of God's people. And how it is that they can be one together in person and focused on simply one thing, honouring God. That's what they choose to do. But they are a people that have been through great change, many of whom probably never lived in Jerusalem before. These were captives. They have been through turmoil. And as they come back, we see that even they count months differently. The passage refers to the seventh month. The seventh, I should say, the seventh month. And we might think, oh, yes, seven, that's a sign of completion, isn't it? It's about things coming together. But before the Babylonian invasion, once upon a time, many years ago, this would have been the first month of their calendar. They have adopted a new calendar even in that time of change. They have been through so much. Their 
their life has been changed such that the framework for tracking time has been wiped out and replaced by the society that they have been living in. I wonder if that diary issue is something that we ourselves maybe feel 15 months on from the first restrictions coming on us for COVID. Our schedule now is maybe a bit ropey. We struggle to plan. We might have friends that think Portugal is a good place to go on holiday, only for it to change its colour on the list, and their holiday ends with personal quarantine. We plan to have a picnic and then wonder, can we gather with friends? Things we are confident in, suddenly we become unsure about. But even in a disturbed and a destroyed framework, there can be a foundation of something to build on. We can build on the one who is eternal and unchanging, our God. Just as they built their altar, where there had been a foundation of an altar from many, many years ago, we can build our hope on that thing that we have known for a long time. The people return from exile. They find the old foundations. And as they do so, among a community of descendants of the unfaithful left behind people, their actions for God triumph over their fears about what they are doing and about the path into the future. They had fear. And yet they did it. I don't know if you have ever tried abseiling, rappelling, they call it in America. Uh, it's descending um, usually a, a cliff or a large building uh, on a rope. And it works really well if you plant your feet firmly and you sort of lean backwards and you walk backwards, letting out the rope, obviously, as you do that. The British Mountaineering Council describe the action on their website as lean back and legs apart. In this position, you will gracefully abseil down the cliff as you let the rope slide through your hands. But then they continue by saying, or you may judder nervously if it's your first time. Yes, maybe even if it's not your first time, you may judder nervously. And that's the truth of many things, isn't it? In fear, we sometimes judder nervously. What of those bringing sacrifice at the altar. 
they had fear, but they were unified and they trusted in God. So they brought their praise, worshipping, morning and evening. And as they did that, they would grow in faith and grow closer together still and closer with God. What is your fear? What holds you back from being who God wants you to be and for you to honour him? Some of you know that for me, it is the simple thing of making phone calls. Not really the conversation once the other person's answered the phone, but just that process of dialing the number. There is the, the fear of the ring interrupting them, of it not being a good time. What if they are cooking? What if they are eating? Maybe they're having a nap. It's been too long since I last called. What if I ruin their day by calling at the wrong moment? And of course, if I were to procrastinate and don't phone, it can ruin things much more worse than just that moment. But that's a whole different story, isn't it? When we trust in God and go his way, we are able to overcome the enemy who tells us that we can't. And so with our lives, we praise God. Giving praise is more than a song. It's bringing glory to the creator and honoring him with our being. And this should be our priority. The people bring the sacrifice that is required. They come to him. They come to the altar in the passage. They bring what they need to. But it tells us that there's free will gifts too. They honestly honour God. They're not doing it as like Danny suggested in his talk, doing it for the reward that they're going to get. It's not for the gravy bone that we come to God. No. They come with their heart honestly before the Lord. I wonder how we feel about our offerings. Are they brought in praise as sacrifice of time and of our talents and our worth, our finances, what we have in our possession? Are they given freely, rejoicing as we do so? Or grudgingly? And if the latter, 
I wonder why that is. The people had not yet built the whole temple. They had not even started it. There is not even a foundation stone that is there. They're not in sight, only the altar. The temple wasn't actually what was needed. What was required of the worshippers? What was it they had to do? Well, maybe we need to remind ourselves, not of this passage, but of Micah 6. To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is how the people in the passage brought their praise. May we too be people who live a life of praise, morning and evening, overcoming the challenges that we face to be the people who God wants us to be. His family, united in love. Amen.